We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 123 of the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Got a packed show for you guys. Got some housekeeping items to get to, including some major announcements for the Spurs Up Show. Also, I'll discuss the QB2 situation, the AP poll, some news and notes as well, your listener questions, and a fantastic interview with Michael Skarnecki as we debut our first live show from Tanny Hills Group Therapy. We discussed the QB2 situation, the 2019 football season, Michael's fantastic performance against Missouri a year ago, and much, much more. Before we get into all that, this is a podcast for you by our friends over at Tanny Hills Group Therapy. Yes, Tanny Hills Group Therapy, the oldest bar in five points owned by legendary USC quarterback Steve Tannehill. They've got great specials, including Taco Tuesday, Wing Wednesday. They're perfect if you're a local and if you're in town and you just want to grab a bite to eat. Or if you're in town for game day, if you're looking for a fun night out, Tanny Hills is the way to go. Again, that's Tanny Hills Group Therapy, located down in Five Points. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. I'm your host, Chris Phillips. As always, appreciate you guys tuning in. Got a packed show, episode 123, and it is a monumental show because as you can see right now, the first podcast where we have the video concept involved, I told you guys a couple weeks ago that this was coming. Obviously, I had to get some things ironed out, and I promise you, it will get better as we go. Obviously, going to be ironing out the kinks, but this is the first podcast with the video concept ingrained with it as well, with video to go along with the audio, which I'm very, very excited about. Obviously, as you, as you can see right now, you are seeing my live in-home studio where there is not a guest sitting across the desk from me. Normally, there will be, obviously, but for the first half of the show, you're just going to get me as normal, as always, talking about Gamecocks, whatever we've got to go over that, that show. But uh, this is the setup, obviously. So you see everything. Again, it's all a work in progress. Things will get better as we go along, but I'm very, very, very excited to roll out this video aspect, if you will, that I think is really going to enhance the podcast and enhance the Spurs Up show as a whole. So if that's the first thing to get to with the housekeeping items is concerned. Obviously, coming up in the second half of this show, the live show from Tanny Hills Group Therapy, our very, very first one with Michael Skarnecchia, which it was a phenomenal conversation. Uh, one thing I want, wanted to also make sure I told you guys, please be sure if you haven't done so, go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you're listening to this podcast, wherever you're watching, heck, 
rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends about it. Make sure if you're not subscribed to the podcast, you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Also, leave a review. It helps other people find the show when there's more reviews to go around. Leave a five-star review or leave some feedback if you have any. Love to hear all the feedback. If you have any suggestions, things that you think I can improve on or things that you enjoy, let me know. I really do appreciate all the feedback. Uh, also, made this announcement on social media right before I started recording but a huge announcement nonetheless. The Spurs Up Show is partnering up with my friends at 22 Below. They're located in Charlotte, North Carolina. A good friend of mine from my time in Charlotte. But anyways, the Spurs Up Show times 22 Below tailgate. Yes, tailgate before the South Carolina, North Carolina game in Charlotte, North Carolina. It'll be located 328 West Carson Boulevard, Suite 100, which is literally two blocks from Bank of America Stadium. For any of my golfers out there, you can hit a lob wedge to be of A Stadium. It's literally that close. We'll have the Spurs up show in 22 below flags flying. You're not going to be able to miss us. Again, if you're hearing me just now announce this, you're going to see it. If you go on our social media, you're going to see the graphics, see the announcement. Very, very, very excited about it, though. Should start The festivity should start right at about 10 a.m. We will have food, drinks, alcoholic beverages as long as they will last. So I would probably say, just to be safe, if you're wanting a few beverages, bring a couple, just because with the crowd that I'm bringing along, I know they will not last long. So, but very, very excited, again, to partner my buddy with 22 Below and throw this tailgate. And I, I really do believe it's going to be the first of many. I'm really, really excited about it, obviously, to kind of get out there, meet some Gamecock fans, obviously kick off the 2019 football season in a big way before we watch our boys go out there and take care of business against UNC. So very, very excited. Again, that's the Spurs Up Show times 22 below tailgate. That'll be just about two blocks from Bank of America Stadium. We're going to be starting again right at about 10 a.m. We'll probably be out there setting up about 9 a.m., but really 10 a.m. we'll be uh, cracking the first drinks and getting everything rolling. So really, really excited about that. Again, if you need any more information, shoot me a DM. Shoot a DM to the Spurs Up show or just look at the uh, the graphic on social media. It'll have pretty much all the information there that you need. Um, also, something I wanted to announce just really quick to you guys, two, two announcements that go in regards to video pieces of content. So the first one is you guys are probably familiar if you're listening to this with the Daily Crow. The Daily Crow is something I really, really enjoy, something I'm going to continue to do, but there'll be a, some changes to the Daily Crow. I know right now, right now you guys consume the Daily Crow, really if you're on Twitter, which is where it is mainly consumed via um, a Periscope video, a live Periscope video. The Periscope videos will not be going away in total, but the Daily Crow is going to be migrating from the Periscope videos to YouTube. It is going to be YouTube video content. The reason you're probably asking, Chris, why are you doing this? I really think it's going to help with production quality. I think it's going to help with distribution. I really just really want to selfishly grow the YouTube page. I think that's a big deal to grow the YouTube page. And so I, I know in the beginning, I'll be completely honest with you guys and transparent. I know in the beginning that I'll probably suffer just a little bit just because um, it'll be an extra click for the consumer to have to go through Twitter to click on the website or click on the YouTube link and listen to it that way. But I really feel like the YouTube account is a much more sustainable long-term play than say the Periscope videos are. So again, I'll still be going live on Periscope when the time calls for it. I still think it's really cool to utilize live video, especially with Periscope, the way that you guys can kind of interact with me and ask questions and things of that nature. But for now, I'm going to be throwing the Daily Crow on YouTube, probably starting with Thursday afternoon's edition. So I just kind of wanted to let you guys know that also something very, very, very exciting that I am extremely excited about that I really truly believe has the opportunity to grow as big, if not bigger than the podcast. You're probably saying, what in the world could it be? I think it has a chance to be bigger than the podcast is the brand new vlog that which will drop the first episode next week, the week of the UNC game. 
the name. I'll give you guys drum roll. Drum roll for the name. Behind the Beak. Behind the Beak. I know that sounds kind of corny. It was literally a light bulb moment I had like last week when I was trying to think of how can I think of a vlog name? Do I even need a vlog name? What should the name be? How can it go with the Gamecocks? Behind the Beak just stood out to me for whatever reason. So that's the name I'm sticking with, Behind the Beak, the vlog. Episode one will drop next week. Very, very, very excited. There really is no limit to what this vlog can be or what it's going to entail because it can entail anything. It can entail – obviously, it's going to entail a lot of – with football season coming on, tailgates, in-game stuff, um, kind of just our weekends out. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun, very raw, very unedited. Going to be a lot of me making content. It can, be, it can be whatever, random thought. I think it'll just be really, really cool and another way for you guys to consume the Spurs Up Show content. I think it's going to be a game changer in regards to the Spurs Up Show content is concerned. I think you guys have heard me talking about this for a while now when I first got to Columbia. I'm just very excited to get it started going next week so I just want to let you guys know that all that new content coming I'm extremely excited and I really do think it's going to be a game changer so all right let's get into the show now QB2 let's talk about it everybody wants to talk about the QB2 situation I went on the Daily Crow on Tuesday afternoon to discuss when the news broke QB2 Ryan Holinsky is named the backup quarterback for the Gamecocks what does this mean what does it all mean well I will tell you this guys first of all I'm not shocked I'm not surprised at all that Ryan Holinsky is your QB2 I, I really thought since the Gamecocks recruited Ryan Holinsky, especially with the questions that the carry-on Jordan had with his passing. I thought Ryan Holinsky was going to have the opportunity to come in, use his arm talent, take the number two spot, and I expected him to do so. Um, to me, you know, and what – I don't know if you guys will agree, disagree. To me, it would have said more about Ryan Holinsky if he hadn't won the number two spot versus if Dak Joyner had won it. And what I mean by that is, you know, if Ryan Holinsky is the guy that we all think he is, if Ryan Holinsky is the guy that's going to be – the next dude at South Carolina at the quarterback position, you know, he, you, it, it, I, to me it would have been a very discouraging sign to see him not be able to beat out a guy like DeCaron Joyner, who, again, has his own issues throwing the football. If, if, if you're a guy, you're a four-star guy out of the state of California, you're this big-time blue chipper, you should be able to come in and not only get the two spot, but push the starter for playing time. If, to me, if you're really that guy. Now, it's no knack to Dak Joyner. But what I will say about on Joyner, and I've said this on the Daily Crow, is that you simply just cannot play college football. You cannot play quarterback at this level if you cannot throw the football at a high level. I just don't believe you can. So, I, you know, with Dak Joyner, I think he's a fantastic athlete. I think he's a guy that, in regards to playing quarterback, I think he's going to have a tough time making that happen at South Carolina. I mean, I'll be completely honest with you, especially when you – you know, not to look too far ahead, when you think of Luke Doty coming in next year – I just don't see what the path is for DeCaron Joyner. Where does he fit in in the Gamecocks quarterback room over the next two to three years? I don't know. Now, something else that came out, obviously, yesterday, Wednesday afternoon, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Tuesday, uh, was it Tuesday night, I believe? Yeah, Tuesday night, recording this Wednesday afternoon, came out Tuesday night, something I was very surprised to hear. I think a lot of us were surprised to hear this. Brian McClendon comes out, talks to the media after fall camp on Tuesday afternoon, says that Dak Joyner has indicated he is willing to help the team in any way that he can, even if it means switching positions. Now, that is something that I did not expect to hear because I sit on the Daily Crow and I, you know, I thought 95% chance to carry on Joyner's gone. He may not even come back to practice. And I was thinking it may be that severe. So to hear that the Caron Joiner is willing to do whatever it takes to help the team, the Caron Joiner is willing to stick around and even change positions, something that he indicated in the spring he was absolutely not willing to do, is big time for South Carolina. Now, 
What I also said and what I truly do believe is that I think DeCaron Joyner 100%, 100%, even if he's going to transfer, because I still believe DeCaron Joyner will probably transfer after this season. Stick it out this year. Get on the field in some capacity. Get some film for yourself. Show, I mean, because if you're going to transfer, you're going to need some film for yourself. Get on the field. I mean, because here's the thing. Here's, I think, the interesting thing about this quarterback battle and the whole number two being named and like all that stuff. I think there's a chance Ryan Holinsky's the number two quarterback, but to carry on, Joyner plays more. I, I really think that's a realistic chance because, you know, I, I think Ryan Holinsky, while he's a better all-around quarterback than to carry on, Joyner is, no doubt, in my opinion, Dak Joyner has that game-breaking ability with his legs and I think can throw it just well enough to where you can throw him in a red zone package. You can make different packages for to carry on Joyner where, again, the Gamecocks struggled so badly in the red zone a year ago. Why not give to carry on Joyner the opportunity to make some plays? Why not give to carry on Joyner the opportunity if you do move him to a new position? Say it's a running back. Say it's an H-back. Say it's a wide receiver. Whatever he's going to be at. I think if nothing else, to carry on Joyner, stick it out this season, get some film on yourself, have film to present to these new teams, and it's going to help you go to an even better school than maybe you would have gone to. Let's say you just left. Teams have got no film on you, really, besides when you played against Chattanooga, which, I mean, he didn't really play enough to have hardly any film on him. So I think it's a good decision. I think it's a good decision for Dak Joyner to be open to changing positions. You know, I'd love if he just wants to stay at South Carolina and be in Gamecock and help out in any way, shape, or form, because I'll be honest. If, if you're to carry, on, to carry on Joyner, if you're someone in his camp, the ultimate goal is to get to the NFL, right? That, that's the ultimate goal, to get to the NFL. I mean, you have to realistically look in the mirror and say, am I going to get to the NFL by being a quarterback? Or do I have a better shot at being a receiver or running back or safety or whatever it may be? So I think it'd be smart for him to stay. I mean, honestly, I think it'd be very smart for the carry-on joiner to stay. We'll have to see past this season. But great news to hear that he's obviously willing to help this football team this year because I think he can win this football team. Now, again, going back to Ryan Helinski, I think it says a lot about him. Again, a guy with extreme arm talent, a guy that I think will – I don't want to say – I think he'll push Jake Bentley. Now, listen, Jake Bentley's job is not a jeopardy at all, but I think he will push Jake Bentley in the sense that Jake Bentley knows he has to go out and play his absolute best every single week. And not saying he wouldn't do that anyways, but I think Ryan Helinski at least provides competition, at least provides competition in the position that maybe wasn't there the past couple of years during Jake's tenure. So again, I'm not, I'm not surprised by the news. Ryan Helinski being named the number two quarterback. It's something I fully expected to happen, but I am very surprised and very pleased that DeCarron Joyner has indicated he is willing to stick around and help the team in any way. I think he can certainly do that in 2019. Moving into the AP poll. The AP poll was released on Tuesday or Monday afternoon, I believe. Gamecocks receiving 15 votes, which I think would put them right at 35th. Um, South Carolina on their schedule facing number one, two, and three in the AP poll. I don't think any of us surprised. I also saw Florida, I believe, was number eight. I think Texas A&M was number 11. Uh, so Gamecocks facing five teams in the AP top 25. One team, which Missouri will be in the top 25 when they play in Missouri, is literally 26th. So Mizzou will be in the top 25. Overall, you know, not, not a ton to take away from this. I mean, the preseason polls really don't mean a lot in the grand scheme of things. But I think the Gamecocks, again, here's the thing. People want to say and kind of mock and say, oh, the Gamecocks are 35th. But, I mean, it, the way I more so look at it is that South Carolina's 35th in the sense that, I mean, people think this is going to be a better football team. But their schedule's so brutal, which is the national conception, their schedule's so brutal that 
they're not going to be able to get past six wins. Maybe not even get to six wins, which I don't believe. Obviously, I've got Gamecock seven and five. But to me, it, it gives a sign where I think the AP actually believes, and I, from all the polls I've seen, I think people believe this is going to be a better football team this year. But it simply just comes down to the schedule is so brutal. So, I mean, overall, the AP poll, not a lot to talk about with it, but I just thought I'd highlight it, bring it up. Also, some other news and notes to get to. Um, Jake Bentley named to a couple different watch lists here, the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award watch list, which is given to the top senior or fourth-year quarterback in college football. Excuse me. Also named to the Manning Award watch list, which is given to the top quarterback overall in college football. So really good stuff for Jake Bentley. Also, one thing I wanted to highlight that I didn't have on here that uh, I threw up on social media a little bit earlier. So I uh, was actually at the gym this morning. If you're watching on video, you can certainly see I'm at the gym clothes, right, in, in my gym clothes right now. Was at the gym this morning working out with former Gamecock great Savelle Newton, who I assume will probably be on this show and sitting in this chair very, very soon. Uh, but was there, and there were a couple of former Gamecock basketball players in there, some very notable ones that, again, I won't mention them by name, but was able to talk some South Carolina basketball with them. One of those guys, we were talking about, you know, this year's current team, talking about different players, A.J. Lawson, Mike Coatsar, Kuznar, guys like that, just all different players. And I was asking about this year's team, thinking, you know, this is kind of the year, right? This is the year to bust out, and it's sort of NCAA tournament or bust. You know what I mean? This is a tournament or bust team with all the talent they have. And he literally said to me, and again, I'm not going to say his name, but this is a very, very notable former Gamecock basketball player that said to me, and I quote, they have more – this is the most talented team the Gamecocks have had under Frank Martin. They have more talent than even the Final Four team. That's literally what he told me. So – Take with that and do with it as you will. I think Gamecock fans, we've got a very, very good reason to be excited about Gamecocks basketball. Again, football. I know football is literally about to start in 10 days or nine days when you're hearing this, but just a very interesting tidbit. And I think the Gamecocks, I think Gamecock fans have a real reason to be excited about the basketball team this year, especially. I mean, when I heard that, when I heard him say that, I was, I was like, wow, are you serious? I mean, it just – he was like, yes, they, this is the more talented team top to bottom than the Gamecocks Final Four team. So, we'll see. I mean, very, very interesting stuff. Again, I, I'm very excited about it. I mean, it's – I really do think there is a lot of potential with this team, especially with guys that we haven't even see, seen play before with like Jermaine Kuznard, Trey Hannibal, um, different guys at the guard position. I mean, I think A.J. Lawson's going to have a just fantastic year for South Carolina. I don't think anybody can deny that. Can Mike Coatsar kind of step up? But overall – I mean, I, I think the Gamecocks are set for a really, really good year this season. Um, all right, cool. So let's get into some listener questions here. We will start off with Hamaza022. As you're seeing, I just read them off the phone. If you're seeing me on the video, this is just kind of how we do things. Uh, Hamaza022, would you say Helensky is ready to play or would there still be growing pains? Um, I, I certainly think – I mean, listen, I don't care what – type of prospect, what player you are. When you're a freshman, there are going to be some growing pains just because you're adjusting to the speed of the game, the way college football is played, going from high school to college. It's a different ballgame. I mean, look at Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. You know, we hate to talk about Clemson, but Trevor Lawrence been regarded as one of the, you know, maybe the best quarterback prospect of all time. I mean, even he had a little bit of growing pains. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I mean, his growing pains are much less than normal freshmen, but even he went through some growing pain. So I, I think, yes, absolutely. I mean, I think Ryan Holinsky, if put in, could help this team. But I think certainly you would see some freshman moments from him, no doubt. Uh, Jimmy.James.76, what is the best-looking Gamecocks uniform of all time? Wow, all time? That is – I mean, wow. I mean, can we say the throwbacks from this year? <laughs> I mean, um, 
Man, I, you know, I mean, those, here's the thing. Those, those uniforms in the 80s, the Fire Ant uniforms, the Fire Ant defense uniforms, the All Garnet, love those. The, the 87 throwbacks that the Gamecocks are wearing, you know, when they wore them in 87, and now with the throwbacks, I think, are up there. I think one that people, people throw away way too quickly. And I saw this a couple weeks ago when people were ranking their top five uniform combos of all time or something like that, and, or first five, in, first five in, first five out. And I saw this in first five out a lot. I, I couldn't for the life of me understand it. It is the simple big game garnet, white garnet garnet. I mean, how can you not say that, that is not of, that's not one of the best Gamecock uniforms of all time simply because it was the uniform worn during the greatest stretch in Gamecock football history? Like, I don't know how you can dismiss that uniform combo. I would say, I mean, my favorite uniforms of all time, and I don't know about which combo really, but the uniforms that South Carolina wore from 2007 to 2010 when Steven Garcia was the quarterback, by far for me, I, I love the big Carolina across the chest. I love the big numbers, the big numbers on the shoulder pads. I wish they'd go back to those, but, you know, either way. Uh, Bart B22, what's more important, offensive turnovers or defensive takeaways? I feel like you asked me this last week, Bart. Um, no, actually, you asked a different question. That is right. You asked a different question, but very similar to this. I apologize. What's more important, offensive turnovers or defensive takeaways? I think offensive turnovers. I think offensive turnovers are more important in limiting or just statistically because, hmm, I, I, you know, because here's the thing. You're not a lot – most of the times you, when you're shooting yourself in the foot offensively, it's just going to be extremely hard to win games. You can win a game without, you know, forcing a turnover. It's hard, but you can. You can win a game without forcing a turnover. But you're not going to win a game turning the ball over two or three times. You're, you're just not. You're just not going to win a game that way. But, again, I think you can win one. You can be not a great team at getting turnovers and still be a pretty damn good team. Because if your offense is efficient, holds the ball, doesn't turn it over, you're never going to put yourself in that terrible of a position where your defense is always going to be in a position where they can still make a play and get a stop, get a three and out, force a punt, things of that nature. So I would say offensive turnovers for me. Um, Fallon Jack, does a, quote, day off mean Joyner is in the transferring weeds? So that's one thing I forgot to mention earlier. The carry-on Joyner was given the day off on Monday by Will Muschamp, whatever that means. Um, so, Jack, yeah, I, I would have said before that he was until Brian McClendon's uh, comments came out Tuesday night in which Dak Joyner made it very clear he's willing to change positions, help the team out in any way possible. I would have said 100%. He was already looking at the transfer portal, things of that nature, but – you know, I'm assuming at this point, probably not. I think he's going to be around to help the team this year. Um, Tamers, what do you think will happen with Dak, transfer portal? T oh, T.A. Emerson, not Tamerson. Oh, T.A. Okay, my bad. I, dude, I don't – some of these Instagram handles are just out of control, bro. Um, so, T.A. Emerson. I still don't feel like I'm saying it right. Um, yeah, no, I am. T.A. Emerson. Okay. Um, so, Dak, no, we already talked about it. I think Dak Joyner's here for the season. I think he will transfer after the season. I think he's a guy – I think he'll be willing to sw swallow his pride, it sounds like, play a different position, do what he's got to do to help the team. But I, this is a guy to me that seems like he really wants to play quarterback. The only way I could see him not transferring is if he has a season at Carolina this year where he changes positions and has a really, really good year and maybe has that light bulb moment where he realizes, hey, like maybe I can do this at a different position, or maybe he'll really like playing a different position. I mean, you never really know, but right now I would say he's here this season, makes an impact, leaves to play quarterback somewhere else. 
Um, Joel Oman one thoughts on a crowded quarterback when the Ryan Dak and Doty next year. Doty has a lot of buzz. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't I don't see where Dak Joyner fits in that. I don't see where Dak Joyner fits in that quarterback room. I think it'll be one hell of a battle between Ryan Helensky and Luke Doty. I know a lot of people are high on Doty due to his ability to both throw and run. Um, I think, you know, hate to say this, but Luke Doty is like a better to carry on Joyner. He's a just he's just a to carry on Joyner who can throw the ball exceptionally well. So I, that'll be a heck of a battle, man. I'm excited for it. Uh, Chandler Murray, do you think Dak will stay even though he was placed at QB3? We've already talked about it. Yes, he will. Underscore Jay Blount, do you see Dak changing positions? If not, where do you think he transfers? We've already talked about that as well. I'm going to start reading these before I read them because a lot of Dak questions. Um, let's see. Real Tim Cox, how do you feel about the depth at safety? So, I've talked about this on the defense. I mean, the only thing that worries you on defense is the lack of depth. I mean, I think the Gamecocks have got as good a talent in the secondary defensive back as they've had in a long, long, long time. But it really just comes down to keeping guys healthy. I mean, South Carolina just can't go through another season like it had a year ago, have another have guys just dropping like flies everywhere and guys being hurt 24-7. It, it just No team can win that way, but especially not South Carolina. So, I like what they have at safety with JT Ebay, Jamel Cook, R.J. Roderick, um, well, Jalen Dickerson, I guess. Yeah, Jalen Dickerson is going to be out. Um, they'll probably put Jamie back there. I think he'll probably play nickel and safety. So, I like what they have, but you heard the guys I just listed all. It was hard to list all four. So, depth-wise, you just got to stay healthy back there. Um, ADR dot underscore Drew, will Shy have more touchdowns than Brian Edwards? Touchdowns? Mm, I'll say no on touchdowns, yes on yards. So, I think Brian will have more touchdowns overall. Shy have more yards, though. Um, Austin Horde, what's your thoughts on the quarterback battle that has been going on? Think you want to transfer? Okay, we talked about that. Uh, Real Connor Conton, I think I said that right. Do you think our defense will be more productive as mostly man-to-man this year? I mean, listen, I think that's a real – I'm glad you brought that up. That's a really cool talking point because T-Rob talked about that, obviously, at his camp presser, if you will, or camp availability, and talked about JC and Izzy and how they plan on playing more man-to-man. I mean, it's funny when people ask, why are we playing so far off the ball? And I've, I've, trust me, I've been in the same boat in the stadium yelling, yo, why are we playing 10 yards, you know, uh, cushion coverage there? Why are we playing so far off the ball? I think what you have to understand, though, is that I think defensive coordinators, they would play man-to-man every play if they could, if they had the guys who could do it. And so I think it's a huge advantage for a defense when you have guys that can play man-to-man, that are comfortable playing man-to-man. Because what happens is you're putting out guys that can't do it, and you're asking them to play man-to-man. I mean, one, one wrong step, and that receiver's gone, boom, you're burned for a 75-yard touchdown, momentum shift, change in the game, and it's just not no good for anybody. So, you know, I, I think our defense will be more productive. I think our defense will be better no matter what because of a good pass rush, a front seven, linebackers improved health fingers crossed health um i think all those things but yes i think the ability to play more man-to-man will certainly certainly help this defense no doubt especially in the passing game um okay bledsoe twelve eighteen. now that dak has agreed to move positions what will best suit his skill sets that's a good question i mean it's really i i like him more in a wildcat quarterback type situation it's funny i know i ran a poll I ran a poll, uh, what was it, last night or this morning where I said that uh, – or a couple days ago, anyways. I said, basically, where would you like to see Dak Joyner? You can't say quarterback. But it's really hard to say a different position because the Gamecocks should have a good running back. The Gamecocks have got a plethora of good wide receivers. 
So where can he realistically fit in and make an impact for South Carolina? I think it is in some sort of wildcat type of position. I think it's some sort of wildcat type package where he can really help South Carolina in the red zone. I think that's going to be the bread and butter for him and where we want to see him. I would love to see him early in the season against UNC or Charleston Southern try out these formations, especially Charleston Southern, a game you really shouldn't even be close going in the third quarter or fourth quarter. Try him out. Let's see what works. Let's see what does. And obviously, you don't want to let the cat out of the bag and let all the all the tricks out before you play Bama. But you got to see what works, man. You got to see what works. So, um, you know, I, I like him to play like a, a wildcat quarterback situation. If I had to pick a position, I would say probably wide receiver. Just getting the ball in his hands. Like I just imagine him catching a bubble screen, taking it to the house. I mean, the dude is so electric with the ball in his hands. Um, let's see. ADOT Bruce 78, where is the best fit for Joiner? Just talked about that. I think Wildcat quarterback, red zone packages. Um, I think that's really going to be the best fit for him overall. I have a couple more questions here that people sent into the DMs, which hopefully the DMs will load. Here we go. Um, Two-part question for your next show. With all the good feedback about Jam Williams this camp, where does he fall into the secondary? Seems like the reports on him are good but you don't see him listed as holding down a particular spot. Also, any chance Staley breaks into that starting group of linebackers? Coaching reports have been good on him as well. Yeah, Jam Williams is a mystery. Jam Williams is very much a mystery to me because, dude, he's a guy He's a guy I was talking about the entire offseason a year ago. If you guys don't remember this, you may not. I mean, I had Michael Felder on the show who's with, uh, is with uh, Stadium, which I'm not, not sure if you're familiar with Stadium. They broadcast like – a lot of the Mountain West games. But he's a college football analyst either way. He used to be with Bleacher Report, well-known college football an- analyst at in the bleachers on Twitter. Free shameless plug there for you, Michael Felder. But um, I had him on the show. He was extremely high on Jemias Williams, extremely high on him, a ball-hawking type guy. We both thought Jam Williams could be a ball-hawking type safety. I know injuries kind of hampered his season, but to me, he just never really – felt comfortable with that position. And we're talking about a guy here, man, that was a four-star recruit out of the state of Georgia, a kid that Georgia really, really wanted. And South Carolina was able to beat them out to get him. This is a big year for Jam Williams. Man, I think Jam Williams needs to step up and be one of those guys that South Carolina can really, really depend on. Um, you know, where will he fall into the secondary? I mean, that's a great – I'd love to see them put him back at, like, nickel. I think nickel's a good spot for him. I, You know – I don't know. I think that J.C. and Izzy have got the two corner spots locked down, man. So, I think he's going to have to either fall in at nickel or if he can show that he's learned the safety position. But he needs to be on the field making an impact in some way, man. The guy's a ball hawk. The guy has instinct. The guy has skills. He's got speed, athleticism. He's a guy that needs, he, he needs to step up this year. There's no question. This Gamecock defense needs him to step up in a big way and be that guy for this defense. Uh, you talked about Damani Staley as well. I don't think he'll be in the starting rotation. Um, I think that'll probably be T.J. Brunson, Ernest Jones, and Sherrod Green. I still think Sherrod's going to be a starter. I know a lot of people have their gripes about him, but I think Sherrod, a veteran dude, a guy that has played a lot of snaps and you have to think has improved a little bit, um, will be a starter. But, yeah, the the reports on him have been really good from camp. Um, And I do think that uh, Damani Staley will be in the rotation very heavily, no doubt. Um, Gamecocks.country asks, do you think that South Carolina fans give us an advantage on recruiting? I'm surprised at how many Carolina fans are into recruiting. So this is kind of a funny question because would it surprise you to say that I'm also also surprised? Um, <laughs> because before – I'll be honest with you guys. Before I did any of this, the Spurs Up show, the Armchair South Carolina stuff, for you guys that were around that long ago, 
I really was never a diehard recruiting guy. I, I just, I did not, let me put it this way. I, it was an interest, right? I, I, you know, you always like when the Gamecocks pick up a big commit or a big signee or this happens. Or it wasn't something where it was like a, I was never a message board guy, never been a message board guy, never going to check message boards to see what this kid said or what he's doing or that's just never been my lane. That's never been my thing. I just don't really care all that much. Like, because to me, recruiting is such a long game. It's such a long play. And these kids can say one thing and mean another and say this and it's that. And no, I mean, nobody really knows what's going to happen. So like, I don't invest myself into recruiting because I feel like it's like a bad reality TV show now with all the top 15 lists on Twitter. And it's like, I mean, it's just gotten out of control. I mean, you guys have seen. I mean, I'm not going to name any specific names, Isaiah Walker. Um, but, like, you, you've seen how crazy out of control recruiting can be. And, I mean, it's just – it is exhausting to follow, like, that closely. Now, with the Spurs Up show out stuff, obviously, I'm as in, into recruiting as I've ever been. Obviously, try to bring you guys as much of an experience, as much coverage with recruiting as I can because you're right. It is an interest. It very much is an interest. I mean, I would say some of the most viewed pieces on the SpursUpShow.com have been recruiting pieces. Because people are very interested because it is the lifeblood of college football. I understand that. And for the people that listen to the show and wonder, will the Spurs Up show ever become a recruiting heavy entity? You know, I'm not going to ever put myself in a box and say I'll never be something or be this or can do this. But I think it'll be a situation where if that does happen, the Spurs Up show will grow to a point where I can hire someone to be a recruiting expert or recruiting guru or whatever. I mean, because I can provide a recruiting coverage to a surface level if you will maybe beyond a little bit surface level but I'm never going to sit here and tell you that like I'm in I'm in the kids ears and their coaches at high schools and because like I said it's just I'm more focused on the team right now I'm focused on the Gamecocks right now with again one eye on recruiting but again I'm not knocking anybody we all love and follow recruiting for you that follow it day in day out that check the message board that's completely fine I'm not knocking you I'm just saying it's never really been my thing but let me get back to your question do you think that South Carolina fans give us an advantage on recruiting because how much we care? To be honest with you, man, I think the bigger advantage when you're talking about fans comes from packing the seats. I mean, selling out the stadium, having a great atmosphere, having a great tailgate atmosphere. I mean, I think that is much, much more important. And that's why people talk about you know, games at Williams-Brice. Even if South Carolina doesn't win those games, just to have the atmosphere. Because most kids – aren't picking a school based on wins and losses that season. I mean, kids want to play for championship caliber programs, don't get me wrong, but most kids aren't picking a school for the win-loss record that season. So I just think fan passion, does it help South Carolina? Certainly, because South Carolina, I think, is the most passionate fans in the country. And Gamecock fans, for the most part, I'd like to see more of it. Uh, there's always a great game day atmosphere. Would love to see Williams-Brice Stadium packed out a little bit more. I think we will see that this year with some of the big-time matchups at home, but no, I think Gamecock fans certainly are a positive impact on the recruiting platform for the Gamecocks. Um, last question here, Jacob underscore Scheidel. Um, if South Carolina were to win all three games and go 12-0 and in the regular season, would they go to the SEC championship and then the college football playoff? Rhetorical question, obviously. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, we can all dream, right? We can, we can all dream that that'll happen. Um, let's see. I feel like I had one more question here, but I'll just tell you guys this. If you're listening in and the best way to leave a question is on Instagram, because 
that's where I get 99.9% of the questions and that's where I generally check. So would love if you guys could leave the questions there. Cause I'm looking through Twitter because I feel like somebody left a question here. Oh, here we go. Yep. Yep. Dan public over Dan. Appreciate you, man. Sorry. It took so long to find this. Um, what's, Oh, never mind. That was last week. Lattimore's Instagram post. Okay. So never mind. That's what I'm saying. Leave them on Instagram. It makes it very, it makes it so much easier for me. Just leave them on Instagram. Um, and we will do that because I appreciate all the listener questions, obviously. All right, let's get into the interview. Michael Skarnecki, a former Gamecocks quarterback, and we're live from Tanny Hills Group Therapy. I'm very, very excited about that. Again, first live show at Tanny Hills Group Therapy. If you guys didn't come out, was a really good time. My goal is to eventually, and this is in the very, very near future, like in the next week or two, have it where we're doing a live show every single week. Um, would love, again, you guys, obviously I'll put out the announcements and stuff. We'd love to have you guys come out. It was a great time. Again, Scar's a great dude. He's just one of, just an awesome guy. You know, as cool, as good as a football player as he was and the great moment he had against Missouri, just an awesome dude, man. So I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. It's a phenomenal interview and it's brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the best ticket buying app by far, the only ticket buying app I use, the only one that I'd recommend, SeatGeek has all the tickets you'll need for your Gamecock sporting events, any game you're going to this season, they're going to have it there. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $10 off your first purchase. Like I mentioned, they've got tickets to every single Gamecock sporting event you could want to go to. Why not use a Gamecock promo code in the process? Save yourself $10 on your tickets. They've also got tickets to other things such as NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, Anything on concerts, comedy club events, does not have to be sports. Anything and everything you can get tickets to, SeatGeek has got it there. They've actually got a great ticket rating system where they rate the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So you will never pay overpay for tickets again. They do all the work for you. They really give you that peace of mind before you click the buy button. They make it super simple and super easy to buy your tickets. So again, that is our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-U-R-S-U-P, to save $10 off your first purchase. All right, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks quarterback, Michael Skarnecki. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show once again as a man, I'll give a brief introduction to, he definitely not does not need one. Played for the Gamecocks in 2014, 2018. Most well-known, though, for his performance against the Missouri Tigers a year ago where he threw for 249 yards and three touchdowns and South Carolina's come from behind. 37-35 to 35 win over Missouri, much on a night like this where it is pouring rain outside. Like I said, he was on our show back in February. I'm very pleased to welcome back on once again former Gamecocks quarterback Michael Skarnecki. And Mike, appreciate you coming on, man, and thank you for being the guinea pig on what is the first live on-site show in Columbia here at Tanny Hills Group Therapy. Very, very excited. Appreciate you coming on, my man. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me on. So what I was thinking about today, I'm really excited about is you've already been on once. So we've gotten all of the get to know me questions out of the way, the good, the feel like good, state. the feel good <laughs> stuff where it's like, hey, how did this and that? Like, you know, just cozy up, whatever. I'm going to get to the fun stuff in a second. But first off, last time we talked, I know you were going through training for pro day. You were thinking about football, law school. I saw you're just starting law school now. Just kind of give me and everyone else a life update. What is the life of Michael Skarnecchia like currently? So right now, law school actually starts tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. is the very first day. So, you know, I've been getting my studies done for all that. But uh, with the NFL, you know, I didn't get the call. I don't know if it's because of lack of play time. Whatever the case may be, you know, that wasn't in my path for what I was supposed to be doing. And so I'm really excited about law school. And so through the summer, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do something I haven't been doing. 
for the past five years, and that's travel. And so I've been seeing my family and friends this whole summer and, and getting updated on them and just seeing them and experiencing new cities and then just getting my mind right and relaxing before I had to get ready for law school. And, and now it's here. Where, where's your favorite place you've been? Because I've seen you traveling on social media. I, you, you get around. You, you get out for sure. I didn't get to experience Chicago as much. I was only there for like four days. But I'm a big city guy and I love big cities. And so I would either say New York was a lot of fun. Um, but Chicago is a lot of fun as well. But New York, I don't know. There was a lot more friends up there, so it was more fun. You know, you know who? You, do you remember Patrick Fish? You, you, did yeah, you know I Fish? You know, Fish. I don't think I've ever seen anybody travel as much as Patrick Fish does. He, that man is in a different continent, I feel like, every week. It's probably because of that clothing company. I don't know what the guy is doing now. <laughs> he's, I swear to God, he's in a different continent every week. I've been trying to get him on the show, and it's like, you know, I'll get to you. Get, it's like, dude, you, I mean, you, you're in a different time zone as me every day. Like, I, I, I wish that was the case. I, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're going to start the show off on a lighter note. Like I said, we got all the feel-good stuff out of the way in the beginning. I'm going to put you on the spot. What is the meanest thing Steve Spurrier ever said to you? Uh, I'll go non – he didn't really curse. Right, right. But and that's I, the beauty of this because you can actually say what it was. The meanest thing he ever said to me – oh, this is tough. This is a tough one. It was probably either – I know one for sure. I threw a ball. There was a drag route coming across, and I did like a little soft toss and got to him. And I, either the receiver dropped it or it was a little low. Something happened. And the Spurrier was like, Oscar, you're out here throwing babies. And, uh, you know, he, the stuff he said was more – like patronizing than it was like putting you down or not putting you down, but making you feel terrible about it. Like you'd be like, dang, I suck as a QB after you're done with him <laughs> instead of being like, I don't like that guy. But uh, I can't really think of many stories that he is like just really upset because I've had now three offensive coordinators and you know, each one has always had something to say to every QB. So my stories are all different. What's the meanest thing you ever heard him say to another QB to another QB? Like when you, you, were, oh. yeah, you were there, like what did you hear? Like what, what's like the meanest that you're like, you felt bad for the guy? I have no idea whether this is, I'm supposed to say it or not, but it, it's too funny to not say. So when Nosevich is on the team, right. Right, it, was, right. it was Dylan, me and Perry and, and Nosevich were all walking. <laughs> it's funny, but it's not funny. <laughs> Spurrier comes up and says, QBs, Nos. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God! And not still a QB at the time. Oh my! And he changed positions, right? <laughs> oh my! So he knew, like he he knew off the bat. I'm pretty sure he wasn't a receiver at the. Or he. Oh my gosh! It's, even if he was, it's like it's like you're no longer part of this. You know that unique fraternity we talk about? Get out! Yeah, you're officially you're, kicked out of the fraternity. You're done. So we got to talk about it, man. The huge news dropping today. Obviously, recording this on Tuesday afternoon. Show dropping Thursday officially, but. The QB2 situation. You're a dude. Ryan Holinsky named the backup quarterback today. All of the talk now is what's going to happen with DeCaron Joyner. He sat out of practice Monday, I believe, was given the day off by Will Muschamp. You're a guy. We talked about this off air. You have, you have a lot of experience being a backup quarterback. Let me ask you this. And you battle for positions offseason after offseason. I mean, it's funny. The time you were at South Carolina, I feel like there were a lot of offseasons where the quarterback position was kind of up in the air. There was a battle going on for that position. But First, I'll ask you this. Talk about DeCaron Joyner. What, what do you think is going on in his mind right now with the, uh, with the news coming out today? Uh, it's probably a lot to take in. I know it's difficult, um, you know, because I really wasn't considered a number two probably until I think it was my redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior year. And, you know, being told you're not number two, is, it's hard to take in. It's hard to, like, because you need to put so much work in. And I will say that 
you know, he's a competitor and he's going to work hard. Uh, and just watching his game increase from last year to this year, his throwing motion, his, his accuracy, uh, his pocket awareness, the, his ball security with, you know, not dropping the ball when he's running, everything has improved. And I've been really impressed with how he's done. And so I know he's a competitor and he's going to fight. And this, honestly, this doesn't mean anything right now. Nothing has happened. There's, DeCaron has played. Ryan has not played. So anything be up there. Uh, Ryan go out there and play really well in a, in a game where, um, you know, he gets in the fourth quarter or third quarter because we're beating a team. Um, and and DeCaron's probably going to get reps. And, you know, that's going to be more of a basis of who's going to be the more number two because now you're getting actual reps against another team. And so I say to him, he needs to just keep fighting because it's not over yet. Just because they named it preseason doesn't mean anything to what can happen in the season. I would agree. So let's, let's turn it on its side, though. Let's talk about Ryan Holinsky, obviously a guy that came in after you left, but you've been around the program. You've been in the facility. You've been at practice. You've seen Ryan Holinsky perform. What stands out when you think about why he would have won this number two spot? What stands out to you as far as his talent, his arm talent, his intangibles? I mean, what is it with Ryan Holinsky do you think that stood out for him to get the QB2 nod? Um, you know, they both have – good decision-making, quick decision-making, quick releases. Um, but I guess, Ryan, the big thing right now is, you know, based on what coaches have always told us about, this is you're not going to play if you turn the ball over. And I haven't been out to enough practices, but the practice I've been out to, you know, the QBs did a really good job of taking care of the ball. And so it probably came down to decision-making, uh, the ability during move the ball to drive the team down the field, um, third down situation, Muschamp is really big on how, how you are as a QB and, and situational football, one-minute third downs. And so if you're performing at a high level in those kind of situational football drills, then Muschamp's going to have more trust in you. And, you know, Ryan's an accurate guy. DeCaron's an accurate guy. And so those things are going to be so hard to split on who's a better one. And so it probably came down to, I would say, maybe, maybe turnovers, taking care of the ball and situational football. Do you feel like, okay, let me ask you this, because one of the things I find really interesting is like the direction of the South Carolina offense under Brian McClendon, because, you know, you would probably have some fun with this comment. Jake Bentley's not exactly a speed threat, right? He's not exactly mostly. He would, he would uh, choose to say that otherwise. He would he, okay, well, either way, I'm going to say he's probably not the most, he's not as exactly Connor Shaw with the running ability. But then you, you look way, way down the road, or you can look right now, you have Jake Bentley, Ryan Holinsky, who I feel like are very traditional, like you said, very traditional pocket quarterbacks, you, which I'm not saying you're slow, by the way. This misconception. Essentially. <laughs> but you have, you know, you have uh, Ryan Holinsky, Jake Bentley, who have a very similar style. The carry-on joiner, and then Luke Doty, you know, not looking too, too far ahead, but Luke Doty, who is a very dual threat, can really do it with their legs. I mean, does it come down to – do they have a direction they want to go with this offense versus do they want – a certain style of quarterback? Is it just simply coming down to the guy that gives them the best chance to win? I mean, do you think there's a philosophy they're trying to push with the offense? Like, because you would think, like, it, what it says to me is that South Carolina is looking to have a more traditional pocket quarterback. Again, this is all assuming that everything stays with the depth chart how it is. But then you're bringing in a guy like Luke Doty who does both. I mean, is there any merit to what I'm saying as far as they're sticking more so with the pocket style quarterback or they want to go with a dual threat guy? I mean, what are your thoughts on just like the direction of the offense overall? I think they're just going for winners. You know, if you look at their high school careers, you have two QBs, DeCaron as well. You have QBs who have been to the Elite 11. Um, you have Jake could have gone to the Elite 11, but he obviously graduated early. So you have all these QBs who could have went to the Elite 11 or did go to the Elite 11. They were all winners in high school. I think 
uh, attributes as running or being a pocket passer don't matter as much as your accuracy or your ability to lead your team. And um, probably those are the two biggest things. And if you can run, you can run. If you can't, then we're going to find stuff that's going to be able to adjust the offense to what you can do because we just want to win around the field. No doubt. So let's switch it up completely, this conversation, to go back to last year. You're performing against Missouri. Obviously, we talked about it a bunch in February. We, obviously, we, we talked about a bunch of different stuff, but that game specifically was something we talked about. For the people that maybe didn't hear that, forgot about it, whatever, I want to take a trip back down memory lane. Week of the Missouri game, obviously, Jake Bentley's hurt against Kentucky. There's a lot of – it's a lot of up in the air. Nobody knows who's getting a start at quarterback. Nobody even knows if Jake Bentley can play, will play, whatever. Talk about when you found out you were getting the nod as a starter and just kind of what the rush of emotions were for you. I guess since it's a year later now, I can say when I found out. Yes, yeah, um, would be, that would be nice. Well, we found out, I think it was Monday, maybe Sunday. Okay. Uh, so it was very early in the week. Because you told me Friday last night. I, that's smart of you, though. That's smart of you that you get that of yourself. But, uh, so Monday, the, so it was evident Monday, like there's no way Jake's going to be able to plan on that ankle. Because I remember that was the big question. Could he protect himself? Could he? Could he plant and yeah. all that stuff? No, we, we knew really early in the week. Um, I don't know if the whole team knew, but I know the QBs knew for certain, at least. And so, yeah, we knew early in the week. For sure. So, talk about your emotions. You go into game day. You're first, we, we talked about this before, but it, it was interesting. To, you know, the way you put it was you love the game of football more than anything, but getting to – being on a team and then versus getting to play in a start, being the dude that day – just talk about the rush of emotions for you and what that day was like overall. For, from the beginning and even throughout the game, it was kind of even keeled. Uh, I didn't want to have too much emotions. Uh, I'm not – when it comes to football, I'm not like the most emotional guy where I'll get highs and lows. I'm kind of – I try to stay in kind of level playing throughout the whole entire time. Obviously, I'm going to get real excited if the team's going – if we're driving, if we're scoring, if the defense is making stops. Of course, the excitement's going to come. But uh, I like to keep a level head through it all. So – Really, the emotions came after, uh, just emotions of excitement, of uh, kind of almost like a fulfillment, finally being able to play and get out there and, and see the field and get a win with the team and, and just experience something that you've never experienced before in front of 10,000 fans. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you, said, you said you've never played in that crazy of a game, which, I mean, obviously we all remember. I mean, the first half, it's a sunny day. It's weather forecast, great, yeah. you know, sunny day, no big deal. Second half, monsoon comes. The whole game flips on its head. Drew Locke probably throws one of the most baffling balls I've ever seen right to Sherrod Green's chest. And it goes I still don't know who he was throwing to. I, I literally – it's funny. I feel like you and I have, like, liked each other's tweets back and forth about that game because over the summer, like, that's the one to watch. Like, every year there's, like, one game to watch on replay from the year before. Yeah. That was the one to watch. And you watch that play and I'm, you just, like, that was a great play by Sherrod. Don't get me wrong, but what is Drew Locke? What was he thinking? There's nobody even there. No one. Literally no one. He had to be thinking he was going to throw that ball away. And he, like, but how would he have not seen him? A guy of Drew Locke's right. skill level. I mean, you would like to give him the benefit of the doubt. but I, I, have, mean, I, I haven't watched the game yet live. Um, and so I don't know why I haven't. I just haven't watched the game live yet. Um, around the football facility, they do have the stuff up. And they'll show Drew Locke's. Uh, they'll have the recap of SEC right, right, Media. Right, right. And they'll have Drew Locke's pick. And I'm just like, I still don't know where he was throwing that ball. Because, you know, if no one's there, you throw on the ground. Can you imagine Spurrier on film the next day watching that play? You, you'd be pulled out probably the next drive. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Spurrier would literally – yeah, no, there's no question you would not be in next drive. No, I mean, get that dude away from Steve Spurrier. So, 
I want to ask you about something very, very funny because last year at that time, we were talking about this a little bit off the air about the progress of the Spurs Up show and stuff. So I don't know if you remember, but the Spurs Up show wasn't the Spurs Up show last year. It was Armchair South Carolina. Do you remember? I do. Do you remember last year when – so this was funny because I want to put you in my head real quick. I had been plotting all week because I thought you were going to play, at least play, if not start. I was like, okay, we have to come up with something really funny if he balls out. Just if. You know, who knows if. So I brought it with me. I've got this. Do you remember this t-shirt? I do remember that. I remember you tweeted that, man. I, I is still one of the funniest things. The Scar Season t-shirt, which will live on in infamy, basically just took a picture of Scarface, put Michael Scarnecchia's face in it, did some pretty basic editing. It's not that great, not going to lie. But <laughs> what was – because, again, this was last year. Now, this was probably half the followers ago, not near the – not where we are today. I mean, what are – you just come off this huge win. You get on social media. What are your thoughts there? Uh, and we changed our name to Armchair Scar Nekia after the game. I don't know if you saw that, like three or four days. We just, let, I we let that, we just let that ride. Armchair Scar Nekia. The funniest stuff was the, uh, the office memes. Yes, yes, because uh, Michael Scarn. Yes, Scarn. Yes. I tell you what, man. There's I, usually I don't spell out my whole last name when I'm making food orders, and so I'll do Mike Scar, and with the two or with like S C A R, and everyone always like, oh, like The Office. It always <laughs> is happening, man. The Office is always a relation to Michael Scarnakia. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah, so, some of those memes, though, man. Oh, they were great. No, the memes were, dude. We, I was remember, I was, I got really big in the gift game last year for whatever reason. You call it gift or gift? Gif. Okay, thank God. Yeah. Okay, so it's a gift. We can both agree uh, on yeah. that. Yeah. So, no, so I yeah. So I, mean, I got big in the gift game last year. I remember the one I made of you where it was the dude. Maybe probably from some movie. You're walking away from the car. The, though, car the car's blowing up. <laughs> that and then there I was one with the coffin that I was dying. Yeah. No. That. So yeah, that was the Undertaker. I think. Who's the is who's the wrestler with the coffin? I don't know. It will say Undertaker. But yeah, so it gets out of the coffin. It's your face. It's getting up. Like hey, here he is. I was, I was, I was laughing, man. dude. Yes, the gifts. I, were, I think I neglected time with my family because I was on Twitter just dying <laughs> on all this stuff. Dude, going. No, the gifts. I was pretty proud. The gifts were on point last year. So, all right, let's talk about this 2019 season. Okay. I, obviously, it, and I love that we have you on because obviously, again, you're a guy that was literally on the team eight months ago or whatever, nine months ago, whatever it was. So. Talking about this season, you know all the guys in the locker room. You know Coach Mustang, Brian McClendon, everybody in that building better than anybody else. We've heard nothing. All we've heard this offseason is about the schedule. Everybody wants to talk about the schedule, the toughest schedule in the country. And it is. One, two, and three in the AP pool, South Carolina plays. You play number yeah. eight, Florida. You play Texas A&M. But I feel like for you, I feel like I know what your take is going to be as a former player and as someone just out of that building. And I know the guys in that building, what their take on it is. What's their take on the schedule this year? Obviously, it's tough, but it's going to be something that we can't avoid it ever. You know, every, there's a lot of teams in the SEC who have very tough schedules. Texas A&M play Texas the same, basically the same slate. You know, Florida plays LSU, and then they play the whole East. So, you know, we obviously – a lot of teams in the East, if you play in the SEC, you're going to have a tough schedule. So, there's no avoiding that no matter where you go. So, why – I don't want to say what I was going to say, but why cry about it? Yeah. I mean, I feel like you guys would probably look at it more as an opportunity. Because what I, from what I've heard from other people is that, you know – there are some people who like to say, well, if we go six and six this year, seven and five, it's no whatever, it's a layup. Cause this guy, I don't feel that mentality with the guys in the building. I, no, I don't think that's that. I think we have the wrong players if we do have that mentality. Right, I agree. No question. So let's talk about another guy, Jake Bentley. Obviously, a guy you're very close with. We talked about you used to room with him on the road. Coming into his senior year, fourth year starter, I've been on air on record saying I feel like he's been a little bit disrespected. I mean, to not even be 
top four all SEC teams to not be to not really get any recognition. And again, I mean, he's had his struggles with the turnovers, the red zone turnovers. Your outlook for Jake Bentley this year again? What should, in my opinion, be his best year in Garnet and Black as a senior? What are you seeing from Jake Bentley this year? If we can keep people healthy, if we can keep Brian or Trey, if we can keep Shy and all those guys healthy, I think I really do because I've gone out and I've seen the numbers on the summer workouts. I've seen practices. I've seen how Jake has completely improved his body. You know, his body has transformed. He's cut on body fat. He looks a lot better. He's out there. um, And when I've seen him throw, you know, his throws look with great velocity. You know, he's always had good velocity and accuracy. And he's out there. I'll tell you what, his deep ball, from what I've seen, has been one of the best deep balls right now that he's thrown in his career. He's been real accurate. He's commanding the offense to an, another level than he has from last year. And every time I've gone to practice, they have moved the ball consistently down the field. And, you know, they look good from what I can tell. You know, obviously they're going against our own defense and they're going to be competing. But Jake has, Jake has taken the next step to what he needs to be for his senior year with improving his body and getting his mind ready for the season. Let's talk about that defense because from things I've heard, I mean, you think about the guys they bring back. I mean, the defense, I, I've said before, I think this defense will be the best defense South Carolina's fielded since 2013 when you just had freak athletes all the field. I think you look the front seven, the back end with the secondary. I think we're as athletic as we've been in, like I said, four or five years. I mean, what, what's your take? Because you, you saw a lot of those younger guys last year, guys like J.C., R.J. Roderick, some of these young guys up front with Sandage and Barre. And, now you add in this whole new crop of secondary guys. You give all those deep guys on the defensive line another year. Javon Kinlaw's back. I mean, your take on the defense. So the biggest thing that I think Muschamp's most happy about is we finally have a lot of depth at the off or the defensive line. And, you know, because we never really had a lot of depth. Last year we had two freshmen because of injuries. Uh, and so we had two freshmen playing. So we didn't have a lot of substitutions coming in and out like most teams who are competing at a high level do. And we finally have that now. And so we have a lot of D-line, two sets of them who probably can be starters. Um, but the competition's there. Linebackers, we've, we've improved that tremendously. We have, we have really good linebackers. They've taken a big step. But corners, I think, is where we're, we're going to be lethal next year. I'll tell you what, I was at one scrimmage. And I was like, man, I, I haven't seen a lot of JC going on. And, I, and Perry was sitting next to me. And Perry uh, was like, that's a good thing, man. That means we're not throwing to him. And I was like, that's true. <laughs> So JC, I, I'm JC is one of the best corners I've ever seen and played against uh, in the SEC at least. And Israel, they're both roommates, and Israel and him push each other to a level that you need in a team because it's going to push everyone else. But I, I expect high things, or I expect our defense to be really good this year because we have leaders now who are going to push each other, and they expect great things from each other. You, you talk, so you talked about because I mean obviously JC's a freak. I, I'm expecting. It's like one of the craziest stats from last year is that J.C. Horn, no interceptions. I think that's going to change. That literally might change within the first, like, 10 minutes of the North Carolina game. Let's just throw that out there. <laughs> but your guy, again, last year, you went up and you threw against these guys, J.C. Horn, Israel McCormick. I want to talk about Izzy first specifically. I mean, what is it like to throw against a corner that's 6-4? I mean, how is that even fair? I'll tell you what, man. You, you'll have a guy who has, like, three yards of space, and you'll throw it thinking you got it wide open. You'll throw a beautiful ball, too, but he's just so long and lanky. Um, you know, he's one thing everyone's like always questioning because when you're that tall, breaking on the ball or breaking on comebacks and doing that kind of stuff, you're like, you don't expect them to be great at it. You expect tall corners to be good at playing the deep ball, playing more zone coverage and covering space. But I'll tell you what, him and JC have pushed each other and and throwing against those guys is very difficult. You're going to have to scheme up some stuff to, uh, to beat those guys. Who's a guy 
I'll put you on the spot here again. Who's a guy on the defensive side and the offensive side of the ball that maybe we aren't talking about a ton that you think is going to have a breakout year this year? On defense? I... I'll, I'll tell you mine if you want me to go first. I'll tell you. Go on defense, I say R.J. Rodgers. I don't think he's getting talked about nearly enough. And I, he's not. He's and what, what I think people kind of took my content or my comments out of context in the last podcast, but I said he's not the most talented guy. I'm just saying in our DB room, I would say he's not the most talented DB, but I think he's the guy that may bring the most attitude of anybody that I saw last year, at least. I mean, that, that hit against Akron, to me, that, that sold me. I'm like, this is – you know, I'm not going to put him in the DJ Swearinger category, but that was a DJ Swearinger-esque play where he literally – and people were saying, well, he needs to learn to, you know, pick up the fumble. I'm like, that, no, that's – he knocks a dude out. He's going to stand over him and celebrate and do the Allen Iverson right over his dead body. Exactly. But the – and then my guy on offense, I'd said Josh Van. I mean, Josh Van or, which we'll get to this in just a second, Keel Pollard, because I want to ask you about your boy Keel. But I'd say Josh Van just because in such a crowded wide receiver room, I mean, all I remember from him is just the dude being out of the state of Georgia, four-star player that would – I mean, he made circus catches and film. And I mean, from the stuff I've seen, he's made circus catches in practice. So those are my two. You, who, I mean, what I know, it, I feel like it's harder on offense because all of our guys are coming back. Like they're all pretty experienced. Offense so. is easier. Defense is harder. For you, me. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I know who's, I'm convinced. Well, I know because you're I'm an offensive with. guy too. Yeah. So, I mean, and you play with him last year probably. And going, going to these practices, Shy Smith, you know, Shy has been a really good player, but I'll tell you what, watching him get open and watching him run these routes and make these catches, it's something I haven't seen. Do you do you think he can replace Debo? I mean, in, in that I mean, it's unfair to ask him they play, kickoff returns and punt, yeah. but like in it's a hard. playmaking capacity, they, do you think he could be that guy? I would say so, but he also plays a different position. He plays slot. Okay. Um, right. So it, the schemes are different. The way defenses scheme because they're not going to put a corner inside to cover him when you have Brian and Orchard on the outside and Josh Van. Um, also, one person that I think has a career before I get to defense who who. I think this might be a really standout player, and he was one of the fastest players on our team. I think he ran the most miles per hour, like 22.8 or something like that, was Xavier Leggett. Leggett? Yeah. I, I say Leggett. Some people say Leggett. Yeah. I'm sure we'll figure it out when ESPN tries to pronounce um, it. But hopefully we're, hopefully we're figuring it out. But if he can stay healthy, I think TJ Brunson on defense would be the standout player. I, 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 people talked about Sky Moore, and Sky Moore is a great player, but I don't really think they understood how important TJ has been these past two years. Uh, he has been a player – Especially with the injuries. Especially with everybody going down last year. You know, he's been a player that he fills the gaps. He plays – he's playing in coverage. He works hard. You'll see a – you know, he'll be covered up in a pile and the running back's running towards the sideline. And he's one of the few players – not anymore. We The whole team is now bought into the culture of chasing after the ball. But he was one of the few players in the past couple years before this culture has been bought into to chase after the ball all the way down. He gives it all, and I think he's going to have a great year. Muschamp's first visit after he got the job, T.J. Brunson. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, so I, I wanted to say – I want to talk about your guy, Keel Pollard, because the news – and I know probably same for you. Keel was a guy that I know I, I know me personally, but I think we'd all been kind of hyping up this offseason to be – I mean, you probably saw him in the spring game. I just thought he's going to be Jake Milley's go-to dude on third down. You've thrown to him before. The news comes out Friday. Um, I know it's a back or neck injury, if you will. He is stepping away from the game of the football. First off, on the personal level, just from athlete to athlete, just you feel so bad for a guy like that, just getting it taken away from him. But secondly, selfishly on the South Carolina side, you feel terrible that South Carolina doesn't get in as well. I know when I found out the news, it literally hit me like a punch to the gut 
just because it was so unexpected. Talk about Keel Pollard, the type of dude he is. And then I know he got a coaching position with Will Muschamp and the staff and just kind of his future. Because, I mean, again, Keel comes off as such a genuine good guy, but as someone who really knows him, what is Keel Pollard like? Uh, so Keel, he, he's a very energetic person. You know, he brought an energy that you couldn't help but start getting to that level of energy. He, you know, he, it's contagious. I mean, I, we all remember him at the Vandy game. Just helmet yeah. flies off. He's pumping up he's, the crowd. I mean, his energy is contagious. He gets along with everyone on the team. Very personable, and he's a player that works extremely, extremely hard. Like he's one of the hardest workers on our team, and you know that's why one of the reasons it sucks because when you see someone working so hard for a goal. And that goal doesn't happen. It's tough to, for them to experience that, and you feel for them. But it's also, I think, more rewarding to see them how with that with how they deal with that. And so he's dealing with this situation. Obviously, internally, he's probably dealing with it a lot differently than he's externalizing it. And he's showing everyone the strength. But I'm sure that he's going to be successful in whatever he does because he brings the energy that it's hard to not want to be around him. And he's a person that is just a team player completely. And I think everyone can see that from how he's responding to this injury. What's Will Muschamp like, like behind closed doors? Is he, is he as crazy as some people make him out to be? Is he like that psycho we saw at Florida? Has he tamed down since then? Like, cause I feel like he's done a lot better as far as like on the sidelines and, you know, in, I guess, interviews, stuff like that. Like we don't have all the funny gifts we used to have, which I'm sure you guys thought were hilarious when he got hired, but behind closed doors. I mean, is he like, I feel like he's an intense dude. He's gotta be. He's intense. Um, you know, I wouldn't say, like, the gift that you posted when he, like, elbowed the whiteboard. <laughs> he punched the whiteboard. And <laughs> I'm dude, The one that first – honestly, the one that comes to me – the first one that comes to mind is the one of him at Florida where I don't know who's standing next to him, but it's, like, the tight end or whatever, and he's just, like, gritting his teeth. Like, like I mean, he looks like his head's about to explode. I mean, he literally looks like his head's about to explode. You know, obviously, all coaches get really upset or excited depending on how the game's going. So, he's going to have his emotions. It's just part of the game. But I'll tell you, he's not cussing players out. And he's not doing all the stuff that, I don't know, these gifts make it look like he's doing. <laughs> um, but, no, he's not like that at all. He's a really good guy, and he, I think he's more taking on the role of uh, cussing someone out. It's not going to help them perform better. So coach them. And, obviously, he's going to get upset if the whole team's performing bad. But then after that, he'll start coaching the players to the point where uh, we want you to improve. We're not going to cuss you out because that's not going to help you out there. I feel like one thing that's helped him as well, and I think he's done a good job at South Carolina, he's, helped, he's letting his coordinators work, and I feel like he's got two of the best in the country in Brian McClendon and T-Rob. No I mean, what, what are your thoughts on those two guys? I think T-Rob. I'll go T-Rob first. T-Rob's a great guy. Uh, the way he pushes that defense and, you know, going against that defense in practice is not easy. Um, so I know how hard it has to be for other teams to game plan and get. And he's a great recruiter. He gets these players – from all across the country, Florida, South Carolina, Georgia, wherever as the case may be. And these players all come here with the right attitude. So he's recruiting these players who are buying into the culture immediately and not having to wait three years until they buy into the culture. And that's one big thing that people probably don't understand truly is how big it is for a player to buy into the culture of the team. Um, so he's an awesome guy and he's real personable. I mean, I, I still see him when I work out at the facility. He's an awesome guy. And then BMAC, BMAC's another awesome guy. Um, you know, there's been a lot of stuff where he has changed and he's changed it again for offense. And I think his ability to change the offense and add new plays, it's going to help the team and, and make the D-line confused on whether they're going to get chopped or whether they're going to be motions or pulls and, and the defense of whether they want to rotate, go to a certain coverage because they're afraid of something that we're going to do. He, he mixes it up so much that defenses get afraid because 
you know, we may get beat on this play and we don't know what he's going to do. So he's a great play caller and he's really personable with the guys. And he's, he's with the receiver room. I wasn't there, but from hearing what they say, they loved him almost like a dad figure, father figure. And he taught the game in a manner that's, you know, a great coach does. And so he's, awesome. I think something nobody's talking about from last year. I'll ask you because you went through it specifically, the drops from last year with the wide receivers. And they said that it made a huge difference when Brian McClendon came from the box to the sideline. Did, did the drops from last year worry you at all coming? I mean, is that because you look again? You looked at the guys last year. You look at the guys this year: Brian Edwards, Shy Smith, Josh Van, or Trey Smith, who I've heard has looked phenomenal in practice. Which I want to ask. From what you. I seen, yeah, yeah, he looks like a different player. Is what people are saying. Um, do you, I mean, do you worry about that at all? I mean, is that and then as a quarterback on the field, I mean, is that even something Jake? I mean, that can't be something Jake thinks about, right? No, I think the receivers we have are some of the best, if not the best, in the nation as a group. Um, you can't worry about that. Those those drops were a lack of focus, uh, and you don't know what the reason. They're not was. a physical mistake. It's not just a, a mental mistake. Brian has Brian Orchain Shy and Kyle Markway and these other guys, Josh Van. They have some of the most natural hands I have seen since I've been here, and they catch amazing balls all the time throughout practice. And so, it's simply, it was a lack of focus. There's nothing else to it. And if we have that mentality and not that lack of focus in the games, those I mean, those are game changing catches we have. Um, Obviously, we should still win those games with, uh, with those drops as well. But I think you're going to see a, a more focused group this year. So I'm not going to ask you for a prediction for the season, but I want to ask you the, the one thing that you're looking for from this 2019 season. Again, I feel like it's a season, ton of opportunity presents itself to South Carolina to really where you can take this program to the next level if you can win and get a couple signature wins. But what's the thing? With you, again, being in the building a year ago, you're looking for from your guys this year. What's that one thing you want to see the most? As a, menta as a mentality? Just, just overall. I mean, whether it's a mentality, whether it's a certain – winning a certain game, whether it's week in, week out mentality. I mean, whatever it is. I don't think it's going to be winning a certain game. I think it's going to be the mentality of, of not playing on the highs and lows of the season. Uh, you know, you're going to have to go throughout the season. There's a lot of swing. I'm looking at this – Schedule right now. I mean, Missouri is tough. You know, the whole East is tough. I think the two swing games are going to be, which are going to be season-defining, to me at least, are Florida and Tennessee. I think those are two of the biggest swing games on the, on the schedule right now because they're in the middle of the season, and it's going to help define the second half of the season if we, if we win those two games out. But I think having the mentality of taking every game as, almost as a championship uh, and going out there and not playing the highs and not worrying about the loss that we had against some team or the huge win we had against something, being level-headed on that every single week is a new season. So I asked you to start the show, what was the meanest thing Steve Spurrier ever said to you? What's the maddest you ever seen Will Muschamp before? Dang, I don't know. There was one – I can't remember what game it was. I mean, I can think of a couple games where he might have been kind of ticked He might have get mad. He gets really mad at the refs. <laughs> when the refs screw up, or, you know, to us, they screw up. Right, right, right. Whenever right. he gets real mad at the refs. Um, I, I don't think I'm over there enough to see him get real mad during a game. And he doesn't really, like, freak out in the middle of the locker room. There's probably – there was one game, and I cannot remember what it is, and it's killing me that I can't remember. But it, we, we weren't playing good as a team in, at halftime, and he brought us in, and he, he laid it on us. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, Michael, appreciate it, man. It's always a pleasure. I mean, February was a pleasure. This was a pleasure. First ever live show from Tanny Hills Group Therapy. I know we're all looking forward to the season where we're 11 days out. I know you're going to be around. Well, you'll definitely see Michael at the, uh, at the tailgate everywhere around the stadium. 
and uh, appreciate it. Man. It was fun to watch you play, man. We'll have to uh, – hey, uh, by the way, by the way, you should mention, by the way, you said before the show I look like Connor Shaw. What is that all about? You know, I can't tell. It looks like you don't have – it looks like you're a bald head up with a hat There's on. No bald head up here. No, it, well, it looks no, like I got a haircut. I get today. that sometimes. It's a little jacked up. Not gonna is. lie. But the beard, not, the facial structure, a little bit. It's a C plus, C minus. Yeah. Barber cut today. I'm not gonna lie. Connor, no disrespect, but he kind of does. Hey, no disrespect to Connor. <laughs> what are you talking about, man? Hey, appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Pleasure. Thank you for having me on. We'll get you back on. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Episode 123 of the Spurs Up Show. From Michael Skarnecki, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate it. We'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.